Welcome to the Eurogamer podcast. I'm Bertie, your curly-haired host, also long-time writer for Eurogamer. And every two weeks, I find someone new and exciting from the world of games to really talk to. Remember, subscribers to Eurogamer get these episodes first. For the price of a couple of coffees a month or a really big one, you can get ad-free viewing, exclusive articles, podcasts a couple of weeks early, and loads more. Head over to Eurogamer.net to find out more or see the description below. Today on the podcast, a double header, our first one. It's not a hydra, but two people I couldn't possibly separate who have been making us laugh across many games for more than 10 years now. They're responsible for games like The Swindle and Behold the Kickmen, as well as the Ben and Dan series of games that soared to brilliantness in 2020 with Lair of the Clockwork God. I reviewed that game and I heartily recommend playing it. They are, of course... Ben and Dan, Ben Ward and Dan Marshall. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Good to good to hear me getting credited. Top bill there, Ben and Dan. Is the <laughs> no, Dan answer. and Ben is the correct well, way around. It's, is it? Which is the correct? Is well, it's Dan and Ben. Oh. <laughs> I keep saying Bam and Den. I keep it's it's merging in my head. I'm having issues. One guy when when the when the God, God came out, someone contacted us to say that Ben Dan is. <laughs> Ben Dan is Chinese for stupid idiots or something like that. Isn't it? Like it's, uh... I think it literally means egg, but in slang it means idiot or something like that. I can't remember. So yeah. that's why I think we Perfect. should keep it as Ben Dan. Or... And that's why we're banned in one of the largest companies <laughs> in the world. Well, this could be the next uh, title of your of, of your, one of your games. You could have it after the mm. colon. Like capitalize on that Chinese market. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's wonderful to actually see you in the flesh. Um, I think for me, for the first time, um, I haven't been following you around or anything. Um, I've I've known you as your game avatars for so long now, and you're kind of close. You see, I th- I was expecting more of a kind of quiff from you, Dan. Uh, but yeah. then, Ben, you're quite yeah. yeah I've, I still got lockdown. I've got my hair. My, yeah, I know. That I've got to be careful because um, it's going. It's going at the front now, so I've got to. I've got to be careful not to lean down too much. Otherwise, you'll you'll see the. Uh, the scalp shining thing. <laughs> I'd say the game characters are because the game characters are based. Me and Ben used to go to school together a long time ago now. Okay. The game characters are based on. Um, we used to write comics about ourselves. So you know, like people pass notes in history <laughs> class. We used to pass comics to each other, where like I'd do a panel and then he'd do a panel, and we used wow. to just, like write each other into these stupid. That was the joy of it, wasn't it? Like getting people getting coming up with a cliffhanger that the other person couldn't possibly solve, and then they had to solve it. And so we had these loads and loads of comics. So the game oh, characters are based on those. So the game characters are based on us, a locked in time as us at about 16 years old. So we're, we're like, we're like slimmer and cooler looking. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So it's a bit like um, when you fold, the, you write a line and you fold the piece of paper over and you yeah. give it to someone and you're trying to land them in trouble. Yeah, it was, that, it was exactly that. And we did it when, um, so we did it all through school. And then we went away to university and then we wound up living in London together. And our London flat, when we were in our twenties, had this, had this book of filth, wasn't it? Like it was just, yeah, just absolute. Yeah. Where like where we took take great turn, and when the other one came in from work, going going your turn, and then the other person would like run to the table to see what sort of horrendous. Uh, be a, a splash page of homoerotic <laughs> nonsense <laughs> waiting yeah. for them. Yeah. So this answers. 
um, Dan has briefly disappeared on our on our video feed here, but you should still be able to to hear him. I think his internet connection Hello. is Sorry. jumping around. Um, so this answers one of my first questions, which was, "Are you actually friends?" <laughs> yeah, comes and goes. For professional purposes. <laughs> yeah, so, no, yeah, yes, we are we are best friends. I think. Um, unless unless BFFs. someone else has crept in recently, yeah, we've we've known each other for a long time, uh, and um, we lived together and we we went to school together, and then we lived together for a long time in London. Oh, um, mm. uh, you know, which is where we started making games and started, you know, that sort of indie path. Yeah. So it was and it's probably uh, probably a good thing that we've continued to make games together because I'm incredibly I'm notoriously lazy and bad at keeping in touch with people so <laughs> it's a really good way of staying in touch you with, could say, uh, you could say I'm, Ben's, friends ever. I'm Ben's only friend because like all the other ones <laughs> have fallen by the wayside because he can't be bothered to pick up a phone <laughs> so was it secondary school yeah. where you met yeah yep it was kind of age 13 or so ben, or we were in English down. class and Ben tried to pass off a Jurassic Park quote as his own <laughs> like the English teacher said something. The English teachers we were reading. I can't remember what it was. It was like Brave New World or something. Clever girl. This, oh. It was. It was yeah. Well. We, yeah. So it was a. Um, and Dan should have this etched into his memory because I based most of my best man speech on it at his wedding. <laughs> um, it was just a. It was an ethics discussion about. It, it might not even have been genetic or engineering or something, but I don't know. But like, it was an ethics discussion, and I said, uh, "Well, I think that you know these scientists are so preoccupied." with whether they could do something that they didn't stop to think whether they should. And the teacher was like, yes, point. <laughs> uh, I noticed Dan Marshall out down in the, over in the corner going. Hey, <laughs> yeah. And that was like, that was about 1993. So, I, so I was, I was on it. Right. I don't know. I don't know how, but I was, I was obviously, cause you didn't like in those what days, the film came it? out and it was on at the cinema. You didn't like oh. have endless like repetition of the memes. I'd yes. never seen the trailer for Jurassic Park. So I don't know. I don't know how I knew mm. the quote. It was obviously, it's obviously part of the part of the marketing push, I guess. So was it? It must have been, yeah. So was it friendship at first sight? Were you, were you, were you firm friends after that? Do you remember slowly getting to know each other? Or you make it sound like it's the start of a horrendous rom com. I, <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I don't know. You meet someone. That, you meet someone who's I... not awful, and you just sort of hang around with them for the next seven <laughs> years. Eh? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, cause, yeah, I so, I think about this sometimes. Like, if I um if i was in a like if, if some kind of if a wizard waved a wand at me and said right you're going to go back and live your life again you're going to start at age 13 remembering what you know now I, i'd i'd go back and i wouldn't be able to make friends anyone with anyone because i'd be like is it it's so weird to just say to someone hello i don't really know you but <laughs> like you're wearing a t-shirt or like so shall i come over to your house on saturday <laughs> with you? it's it's bizarre but that's basically what happened wasn't it and then and you you know, and then if you get on with a person, you go the next Saturday and then eventually you just decide that you're uh, mates, which is basically what happened with us. Isn't it? It was, you, yeah. you were making video games in um, click and play and you had all the Red Dwarfs on video. So that was, you know, that game. It helped that you uh, lived opposite the girl that I fancied as well. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that that was like... Uh, well, no, that was the. Impetus. I introduced I introduced her to you, so you know. Okay, fine. Your, that was your that fault. Was, um, okay. Political on my part. That was a nice bit of manoeuvring <laughs> to to lock you in. Anyway, if you ever wondered, if you ever wondered, like what life was like in 1994 Nottingham, now you know. <laughs>
everyone had portable Teenage Mutant Hero Turtle uh, games. And... <laughs> so, and they just there you go. <laughs> were, were games a, a, a big part of your friendship as well? Was this something you both did? You both bonded over? Yeah, I remember bringing um, Wing Commander three over to your house so we could play it on your yeah, I Pentium. Had a better PC. You had a Pentium, mm. and you could run it in SVGA, whereas I only had it in yeah. You know, VGA or something really, really low res. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm. We used to play a lot of. Um, we used to do like Sam and Max, uh, hit the road, yeah. and 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 Dave Tentacle. We used to sit and play those together, didn't we? And um, full throttle yeah. and things like that. I remember. Um, yeah, my like my first memories of Full Throttle and Grim Fandango are, are playing them at Dan's house, and I think because he'd buy he'd buy them, and then he'd he'd play them, and then I'd go over and I'd play them, and he'd sit there going, <laughs> "Have you thought about <laughs> this? ruining them?" You mean? Okay, um, cool. No, no, just hints when I needed them. I remember the um, the Grim Fandango puzzle where you've got the two anchors. Spoilers for uh, <laughs> uh, for Grim Fandango, um, and you have to you have to manipulate them in such a way that you tear the ship in half. And there's a hint line that is like. Um, Oh, what are you doing, Manny? I just created a dotted line, and I was I was completely stuck. And Dan was like, "What do you do with a dotted line?" I was like, "Sign on it." Like, no, no, the other thing you do with dotted lines. That's that's one of my earliest Dan memories. But um, also, like I said, Dan was making games in click and play, so we also had the game design thing. What what know, is click and play? Start. Is that like so I've, click I've, and I'm play was like? Um... You at least let you, you can make games without having to code. Um, so it's basically just yeah. setting up conditions and saying if the ball hits the edge of the screen, make uh. the ball bounce. And then so you just, just like setting up little things like that, you could make um, very simple little two D games. But I used to make a lot of those things. You know, we used to we used to sit around, um, sort of making silly nonsense that sort of 16 year old 50 year old boys make in 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 free in in video game making software you know it was it was filth and it was funny and it was stupid but it was um, (laughs) weirdly i didn't realize at the time but weirdly educational (laughs) yeah so so did you know then or, or did you think then that games were what you what you wanted to do was was that where you thought you were headed no, we were trying to get into I think film I and probably, TV, weren't we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, both of us then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because games was like a thing that um, in those days it was really closed off, right? It was a it was a mystery, especially mm. as a sixteen yeah. year old. But like, I mean, you had to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like um, disparage, like put anyone down, but like you can make any old shit in Unity and it'll work, right? Whereas in those days when you had like 16k to work with and you had to know how to code like incredibly well um so like video games with this with this sort of mystery that came out of japan uh and america really to but you know by those by those days um because because the, the bbc micro market had, had, had disappeared by that time um so yeah we we always we always wanted to get into film and and be directors didn't we and um yeah and all that sort of thing, rather than rather than video games. And it wasn't until um, after university, really, that I I basically went, "Fuck it, I'm going to learn how to code." <laughs> um, if it kills me, and it nearly did kill me, but I learned how to code to, specifically to make video games. <laughs> nearly killed me as well. Nearly killed you. 
Because we were living together. Li- living with this guy while he was trying to learn C++. Throwing books around, going, this doesn't make any fucking <laughs> sense! <laughs> Not yeah, poor that he, that poor old CRT monitor of yours. Like every time oh, no. the code didn't work, you get a slap on the side. <laughs> well, they should take it. Stupid bastard! Yeah, they were chunky enough. Sorry, sorry, Bertie. They were chunky enough to uh, take yeah. it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of you can see you can see the wobble. You can see the um, <laughs> you know, you can see it absorbing the the force nicely. So, what was it about theme, film and TV? Did you both want to be writers in film and TV, or was it other ambitions that you had? You know, it was just a, it was a thing we all we enjoyed, wasn't it? Was sitting around watching watching movies. What did you enjoy? Which, we which shows, or shows or films? Which ones? Which ones did you bond over? Which were your favourites? Uh, Red Dwarf. Okay. Yeah, um, Red Dwarf. I mean, Dan, Dan was the Dan was the massive Red Dwarf nerd, but I had you know I I because we were young enough to watch like seasons three and four, or whatever, while they were getting broadcast like weekly, and yeah. then go to school and shit like you know repeat the lines to, uh, to each other um the week after the, the day after but um yeah so red dwarf um back to the future was my favorite film um we watched that a lot i guess were you into raiders that early on no Dan? i don't think i was we used big... to watch a lot of like um like the the robocop and die hardy robocop yeah terminators right, stuff. Yeah. but we used to watch a lot of we used to yeah. watch a lot of comedy didn't we now now i think about it because you said red dwarf but we used to watch like Young ones and filthy rich and cat flap and uh, all the Lee and Herring stuff like over and over and over again. Um, so like Mister yeah. Fun and This Morning Rich and Not Judy, we'd watch that endlessly. Yeah, I think the through line probably there is that they're all quite densely written, so you could watch Robocop like ten times yeah. and then discover a little line that you hadn't really thought about before, and suddenly that's your favourite line for the next week or whatever. Uh, um, yeah, I think we were both just big film nerds, and so that felt like the natural you know ambition so dan you go off to study french um I think yeah how did you know that i read it yeah. in an interview i've written I, down I, so much shit yeah, yeah um and and dan you you went off to study i'm not sure i think you just said dan oh, you, meant ben, ben. you went off to study yeah i will <laughs> get this confused happens over. all the time um, yeah, I went to study uh, film theory and literature. I see. It's actually quite so. tricky finding things online about you. Um, you know, I had to <laughs> make sure you actually existed, uh, which you do. So you went to study that. Then you come back, you move into a house together, or you're sharing a house together. And Dan decides he wants to make a video game. He's going he's gonna to try this properly. And then from that comes... Been there, done that. Is that about no? Right? So what happened first was so basically, I decided to learn to code, and Ben, as I remember, picked up the book. Like it was, I've got it on my shelf somewhere. Called like um, it's called like C plus plus for dummies. And I remember the day that I was I getting, know, I, I was working it. through C plus plus for dummies, and and Ben picked up the book and found it patronising, <laughs> and then refused to read it. <laughs> so like he was just like immediately not interested, and decided to sit back and watch me do everything. But like when in the old click and play days, we used to make we made this game called um, Jibbage, which was like a two player death match ah. thing that um, we fucking loved. We played that. I put more hours into Jibbage than any other game that I've ever played in my entire life because me and Ben used to sit there <laughs> all night playing it. It's like a two player thing. Um, and then I decided when I learned to code that it was a good idea. You know, I wanted to, I learned to code because I wanted to make another version of Jibbage. I wanted to make a proper version that we could sell. You know, it wasn't like 
clunky and hampered by click and play and uh, and all that sort of thing. So we so so I made gibbage and I it took me like two years and I learned to code making that game. So um, I dread to think what the code was like. It was probably utterly horrendous, <laughs> but um, but it worked and it worked enough to like to sell in it. And I still get emails now. So that was two thousand and six wasn't it that was 2006 uh and yeah. i i honestly i still get emails from people saying i remember jibbage you know because it <laughs> went on the pc zone i did a, i wrote some articles for pc zone about how to make a video game this was back before like people could make video games so it was so it was of note it was inter- of interest uh are we are we allowed to say pc zone versus like, <laughs> that, that's fine is yeah. there a decades-long rivalry with your game no, I'll, I'll edit it out it's fine <laughs> I was, I was worried about saying because I thought I might tear up and start crying. Um, so, yeah, so we, so gibbish happened. And then after that, um, we decided, uh, we started making Ben There, Dan That as a promotional tool for gibbish. We decided okay. to make yeah, something. Because Steam didn't exist. Steam yet, didn't or, exist yet. You're right. Or it was almost impossible was, to get yeah, onto yeah. or whatever. So well, that was, that was Half-Life, wasn't it? So that was like, it. what year was Half-Life 2? 2007. It was Ragdoll Kung Fu as well, wasn't it? It was one of the... Yeah, Yeah, so it was very exclusive. Like, that was a big story was, hey, this um, Mm. bullfrog or lionhead program or whoever it was made this little game just for a lark. And because they're all great showbiz game dev mates, (laughs) Valve decided to put it on their own, um, you know, shop that they used to sell their own games. It was like, wow. So, yeah, back then, all the indie developers, like, what was that avocado um armadillo run mm-hmm. and all that it was all it was all on everyone had their own website and they had to pay a certain amount to primus yeah, or yeah, paypal right, or whatever yeah. the thing was so you had to drive traffic to your own site <laughs> and so what dan thought would be a good idea would be he discovered he stumbled on adventure game studio and um thought well we you know we'd love uh, old lucasarts games why let's let's make our own put it on the site for free and hopefully that will drive people there and then then they'll be you know and like after like after two, second, secondary sales for gibbage after two years of making making gibbage and it was it was it was hard work and i was learning to code like ags was like a step back not back but like more towards click and play where it was like easy breezy wasn't it it wasn't there wasn't any it was a lot of you know interface and ui sort of stuff rather than just hard coding so um mm. <laughs> Me and Ben basically just spent hours in the local pub, didn't we? With a pad and the pub, yeah. no one else was ever in there. If you went in there, yeah. I don't know how they were afloat, but like you could go in there day or night and we were the only people. And so the the the, the landlady must have just thought we were mental because we were sitting in the corner <laughs> laughing our heads off, writing stuff down about just absolute nonsense. So um, what what was the process like of, of because obviously you've you know you've made many games together uh, over many years now but what was the process then like of coming up with an idea going to the pub in this case and then and then what you say oh I think the game should start here and here's what they might say and then you just start coming up with jokes or uh, well Ben there Dan that was much more free association wasn't it it was we we didn't like it we it was like a choose your own adventure way of developing a video game that we would just sort of uh go to the pub think of a stupid idea go home and then i would start making it and okay. then we'll, then we'll yeah, see sketching yeah, ideas it, out behind me or whatever um so it was it was that's why that game is quite like a to b linear yeah, yeah. it's not it's you know you can tell it was designed in a pub <laughs> 
yeah as i like to refer to it, it has a improvisational quality <laughs> yeah definitely has that we didn't have an ending until we got to the ending and all yeah that. we got to the ending so and then we went to the club to decide what our twist was going to be <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then went back and put a few things in to pretend that we'd come up with it the whole time. But we went to the yeah, we went to the pub. Kind of like... We went to the pub to decide like what the twist was going to be, and I said to Ben, um, "I think it'd be really funny if if it turns out to be us from the future that that caused all the problems in the game, which we hadn't planned out in the slightest." And Ben <laughs> just had this has this problem where, like, if time travel doesn't follow Back to the Future rules. Okay. It's not not real, right? So you can't do <laughs> you can't come. I come up with like some Bill and Ted theory of uh, uh, of of time travel, and Ben would go, "No, no, because that's, that's not how time travel works." <laughs> and I, we had this argument. We're sitting in the pub, and I go, "No, time travel works." And he go, "Yeah, but it, it it has to work like Back to the Future does. Otherwise, like I'm not doing it." <laughs> so we had to so that's we had not... to scrap the first lot of plans and replace it with the. <laughs> Not written with my notes. So, okay, so the it's there's, there were some more subtleties to my stance <laughs> than that. Um, no, basically, my rules are like with any like, but with with any sci-fi premise, is it has to be internally consistent, and you know, and the audience has to understand the rules, and the rules have to make sense on their own. And it's like I don't watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and go, oh, that's different. <laughs> I hate this. I don't do that. But my point was that like. Because the, the the sticking point was that it was old Dan and Ben who had come back um, from a shitty timeline, from a shitty future, spoilers, and um, they were distracting present day Dan and Ben so that they could improve their life and they could take over the world on Dan and Ben's behalf. And the sticking point was like, right, so what's going to happen to them now? Do they go back to the new future? And then what happens to present day? And... I just thought it was, considering the fact that we were doing this in like five lines of dialogue, I thought it was too complicated for the to, for the audience to understand. Like, unless you go, oh, it's Back to the Future rules, the audience isn't going to grasp it. And like, so I was like, but how does this make sense? And Dan goes, all right, so we just say Dan and Ben are idiots and it doesn't make sense. And they wipe themselves out of the timeline um, because this doesn't make sense at all. And you just win by default. And then I was like, "Yep." <laughs> so we stuck. With, so we went with that. Did it take long to make the game? Nah, months. Well, I remember time. Not I remember the... time, gentlemen, please. Was nine months. So I, I shouldn't think it was massively different to that. Was it um, quite? Yeah. Was it quite um, straightforward? Did you? Because this is, I suppose, the first. Is is this the first project you've made together? First proper project. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, we, did yeah, we did gibbers together. together, but like I did all the work. <laughs> I got I got an additional design credit on that because I came up with a few level ideas or whatever. Yeah. But you know, and I've been like, you know, Dan was making two D cartoon platform deathmatch games before I showed up because he was already making chippage on his own at home when he was fourteen. But then, like, you know, I would be in there playtesting and QAing with him when I was 14. And I go, like, what about a level set in a bum or whatever? And then I continued to do that with the real Jewish. So I got an additional design credit on that. And, you know, I'd, I'd sit there, like Dan says, doing, doing doodles on bits of paper for him and going, like, what about this robot look? So, but I think Ben there, Dan, that was the first proper we're co-designers, you know, we've got to come up with a process of um, how not to 
start fights in the pub when we disagree on time travel rules. <laughs> and was the, it... weird thing about, <laughs> the weird thing about Ben there, Daniel, is it, it um, massively eclipsed gibbage, right? So, like, gibbage was yeah. was in PC Zone and on the cover disc and on lots of cover discs. And it sold, like, beer money. It, didn't, it was hard selling those days, getting people to download video games off some random website. So I'm not surprised. But, like... Um, I remember checking. I remember checking the Ben Edan that stats, and it had hit like fifty thousand downloads. And thinking, shit, that's quite a lot. You know, it was free, so like you can't. We didn't think we could charge for it, so we hit fifty thousand downloads. Is why we decided to make another one um, that we charge for. <laughs> so right, so that's where um, time, gentlemen, please. You, you saw the reaction to to Ben there, Dan that, and you were like, okay, this works. Let's make yeah. one that, that will sell for three pounds uh, now three pounds and i remember at the time everyone yeah, was like why is that so fucking cheap we said three pounds because it didn't have any voice acting on it and um we thought it was you know and that yeah you i think your thinking dan was that you could buy fate of atlantis or yeah or whatever for three <laughs> quid at that point so quid. like you could buy a pint yeah. for three quid why would you buy why would you buy a small <laughs> 2d indie uh, <laughs> adventure game um but that did get mentioned a lot in reviews, didn't it? It's like, look, it's only three quid. Any, any, yeah. any little issues we have with this game, like it being slightly clunky because it's in coded in AGS, or you know the the whatever, the, there's some bugs or the writing isn't, you know, or there's no voice acting or whatever. It's only three quid. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And you get you get Ben there done that for free as well. So like. You know, you're getting a pretty good deal. The Time Gems release did really well because okay. what happened there was that um, uh, one of my mates had gone because you couldn't get on Steam. You could get on Steam, but it was like incredibly hard. And one of my friends had got on a plane to Seattle and like cornered someone from Valve in a coffee <laughs> shop to get their email address um, so that he could get his game onto Steam. And then uh he said he basically said to me here's his email address and i went thank you very much and i i spent i genuinely spent like half a day or a day or something crafting an email to this guy at valve um because and i remember because Eurogamer had given it a nine out of ten and wired had called it a, an indie masterpiece and i wow. spent and i so i wrote this um two-line email thinking this guy is not going to give two fucking hoots about my video game but like he might do if i say this and and valve were amazing and this guy just came back and went yep let's do it and <laughs> i didn't realize at that time because that was like a getting on steam was like a i said it before it was like a genuine badge of honor it was like a a, a thing that did not happen in those days um so so and and it was, you know, looking at the process on Steam now, which is a hmm. pain in the ass putting all the assets, you know, all the screenshots and all the text and all that sort of stuff up for Steam. All I did was sent them the game and some and some artwork, and they put it all together and put this page live and did everything for me. Um, and that did super well because it because the, the good thing about um, Time Gentleman Please for a long time because it had an eighty four on Metacritic. Uh, and it was and it was three quid that if you filtered on Steam by like games that are under a fiver, uh... it was basically right there as, and it used to show that it used to show the Metacritic right next to it or something like that. It was 
it was very like very easy to find on Steam for like good good cheap game. Uh, so that did so that did super well, and that did well enough that it basically let me uh, go full time indie. Okay, so that's the point. You're yeah. like I can make a living off this. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh for for varying degrees of living yeah i guess so <laughs> and i think wasn't it it was that plus privates wasn't it dan that yeah privates where well, privates um, jump the thing what happened with privates was that uh so channel four had um i got this contract with channel four to make privates how with, did that come about because alice taylor but well, basically channel four started realized that no one was watching their educational content and so alice taylor who was um uh, working at Channel 4. I think she was working at Channel 4 before. Anyway, she went to them and said, like, why don't we make games? Because kids will actually play games. Um, and she'd played Ben there, Dan that. Oh. So we went, I went in for a meeting with her and she said, we want video games, educational video games that are either about politics or sex. And I went, <laughs> okay. Politics <laughs> so, we came, so we came up with the idea of uh, privates and... Um, uh, uh, Chris Simpson uh, and Andy Hodgetts uh, did the code and the art while I sort of wrote it and designed it and went to all these boring fucking meetings about with lawyers and, and stuff like that. Um, but because Channel 4 basically, we didn't, we charged them so little, we should have charged a lot more for it, but like uh, it paid the, the rent, like just about paid the rent and living expenses, barely. But while it was doing that, Time Gentleman Please was on sale and ticking over and building okay. up enough cash to make the to make the next game. Um, so, so I got quite lucky in a lot of ways that a few things sort of aligned at the same at the right sort of time to to be able to jump ship because I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. So who do you enjoyed? working together on these these two adventure games that you you'd made together had the process been quite smooth had you you know you, you don't always necessarily enjoy working with your friends you know sometimes sometimes people argue um what was it like i think you have to remember the sweeping majority of all these games are made in a pub like not that okay. not sorry that's not true yeah sweeping majority of the design of these games is done in a pub so okay. basically me and ben get together and size five pays for the booze and the lunches and we sit in a pub coming up with stupid ideas that get stupider and stupider as time goes on <laughs> um so it's very hard not to enjoy the process that's why so my next game is not is not a comedy game and it's not um it's not anything like uh, clockwork god but ben and i still want to keep on doing doing this stuff because basically we get together and we have an amazing time no we sit in a we sit in a pub and we yeah. talk about our lives and then we design some games and we sort of go off topic and we jot things down and we you know we we sort of have a rule that if anything makes us laugh it goes in the game you know if anything makes us cry laughing it definitely goes in the game so we have a nice time so that's why we're doing a bit of um we've got a touch we've got a few projects coming that are sort of um we're just writing not doing any not doing any oh, okay uh, actual development on it which is nice because because we've done a couple haven't we we've done a couple of um yeah like consultations so games that are like very early on and it's amazing because we're just coming we're sitting, the pub, coming with all these, we're sitting in the pub coming with all these ideas that i then don't have to go away and make 
which is a really nice change because normally we sit there and I go, you know, you get to work on a Monday morning and you go, oh, fucking hell, who came up with this idea? Because that's, you know, an idea that an idea at uh, eight o'clock on a Saturday night in a pub is very different. I think, um, I think we can say what one of them is because the, um, oh, Dan's camera's gone again. Um, don't say what, don't say what of any them... of them are. I don't want to risk it. <laughs> but the one guy said that I could put it on my portfolio website. So presumably, you know, okay, I yeah. can tell you what's on my portfolio website. Okay. Um, so that was for, uh, a guy called Tim and it was a game based around, uh, an art thief. And, um, yeah, he, he basically just wanted us to come up with a story idea for it and character ideas and stuff okay. like that. And so we came to the, you know, I, I went to Dan's house for a week so we could sit in the garden or sit in the pub and just come up with as much good stuff. We stood possible. in my paddling pool, weren't we? And... We stood in the paddling pool, holding <laughs> tins of beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we came prepared with like a few ideas each. We were like, here's some stuff I've thought of. And we we're like, this is all good. Let's just work up like all like these these the five best ones and just built work each one up and so we had like we we you know we went back to tim with like five really solid game like ideas like story ideas for the game and like you know with a few different mechanics and stuff and it's just it is just really fun and satisfying to go you know to like to go here's an idea how could this work and then start putting the building blocks together and go like, oh my god i kind of want to make this game yeah. i want to make all five of these games and it was kind of gutting because yeah, there was a point there was a fun. point where we hit this realization where like we'd come up with these five concepts for him and we were like <laughs> shit four of these aren't going to get made <laughs> like it's actually quite upsetting that you realize that like four like only one can make it through and four of them are just going to disappear into the ether and you just think that's a real shame because these are all these are all good <laughs> there you so go in the games that come next uh, for size five anyway so i think there's there's gun monkeys in 2013 swindle in 2014 and behold kickman in 2017 busy busy few years um ben do you help on those because i think on your website it was suggesting you did but i wasn't sure yeah it wasn't it wasn't co-design or anything like that it was um basically play testing qa and kind of similar to gibbage really it's just coming up with ideas um ben doesn't realize know, ben doesn't not... realize how critical he is because basically in, in both ways because like uh he will <laughs> ben always um his bar is like right up at the top his standards bar is there and like some i will make stuff and i'll go that works that's done on to the next thing and he will always say like no you know he'll he'll do feedback in the politest way because he knows what i'm like <laughs> i'll slap the side of his monitor um but but you know he will always come back with stuff that pushes the quality of the project up and up and up and you he's he will send me a line saying like oh it'd be better if it's like this or whatever and i i will look at it and go fuck off i'm not doing that it's gonna take far too long and then it will just sit and niggle in my brain like <laughs> fucking right it would be better if it was like that so i don't think like he realizes that like even in the swindler and kickman and stuff when he was when he was sending feedback uh uh how important it was but like because what happens is that i make a big game and then i make a little game as ten how it tends to work so i okay. do like did time gentlemen please and then well i did the swindle and and then gun monkeys and then back onto the swindle and then kickman because kickman was like five months because i I'd had a baby and I, I didn't want another massive 
sort of project. But the little ones, like, just just about cover um, the cost of making them because they're they're cheap and cheerful and and silly and little, and they just about they just about bring in the cost of cost of development, but not a massive amount more. But but in terms of mental well being, they're they're yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they're very important because if three years three years making a video game is a lot to take on especially when it you know it could flop it could it could not make any money it could all the whole thing could come crashing down around me making something in five months that like eh, if it makes if it makes 15 grand that's that's really nice you know that's uh it's it's paid for itself and and i feel a lot happier and healthier for having having sort of done it and exercised those demons so, um but yeah, if you like the the scrapyard perk in Swindle, <laughs> this guy. I can't even remember. You're what, the, what is the scrapyard perk? It's when you kill a robot, you get uh, a little bonus money. Is that yours? That was mine. Well, that was yeah. my least favourite perk in the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So there were fan sites. So in this time. Um, that you're making these other games, uh, then you're presumably off uh, doing your other things. Speaking of your other things, I was reading on your website some of your um, excerpts from your script ideas, um, and I particularly enjoyed the the one where two two characters uh, sounds familiar <laughs> um, end up swapping yeah. bodies and then become yeah. quite um, captivated with their new uh, things between their legs. Yes. <laughs> yes yeah that was um yeah so i would occasionally when i was still like i was still working in tv and film and you know i i'd think like right I'd, i'll write some short scripts and then i'll make them and i'll borrow you know i'll borrow equipment and you know this will be my my push um and yeah one of them was a body swap five minute comedy and the joke was that in most of these body swap films they'd spend you know they'd immediately just call in sick and then they spend the rest of the day looking at each other's genitals, <laughs> and they're just going. Oh. <laughs> and um, and the other joke was that if it was someone like uh, Dan and me, um, we're basically the same person anyway, so it just wouldn't make any difference. We'd 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 sit in in the uh, flat all weekend playing video games, and it wouldn't make an iota of difference <laughs> yeah. with, that we'd swap bodies. We'd barely notice. Um, so that was a joke behind that. We actually did um, film that, didn't we, Dan? You were my you were my DOP on that. Really, we filmed it, and, and um, I refused so... to be in it because I didn't really. Well, you're not an actor. I'm not, really, I'm not, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not either. But I wasn't confident in front of a camera, put it that way. But we because we used to work in film and used to work in, we used to work. I used to work in TV, Ben used to work in film, so uh, we could get you know getting a decent camera in those days wasn't as easy as, as it is now I couldn't just film it on a phone or anything so we used to borrow mm. professional grade camera kit from work over the weekend and film it uh and we filmed that one yeah yeah and i i, I didn't feel like just for this thing i could ask a proper actor to come in and do full frontal nudity so i did that and then i got one of the other runners who was a an aspiring actor to come in and play the other role and yeah we just shot that in a day and it kind of sat on my shelf. We'll <laughs> never see the light of day. I've, I actually do have a rough cut of it, but it's it's dreadful. Like, you know, I'm not really an actor, and the other actor didn't have time to learn his lines. The lighting we, is appalling because you know, it's just done enough. Oh, you know, like, yeah. Sort of stuff. 
it's just yeah it's yeah that we didn't have any lights it was just the, the light bulbs hanging off the ceiling and all this kind of thing but um yeah so uh but that does exist i could i could <laughs> i could probably put it up on youtube with some you, put, um, you can't put it up on youtube you have to you have to <laughs> Maybe but if Channel yeah. Four are looking for another sex education, um... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely educational. Possibly, yeah. Um, so <laughs> you were working in, in in film and TV in these kind of intervening years, as it were. Um, is that right? Yeah, yeah. What um, were you working we, on? We both started out working in TV and film. So I was, uh, well, we both did some uh, reality type A shows. A lot of we? reality um, shows, yeah. I, I worked on the first season of Biggest Loser UK, okay. where they just get a load of people in a house to lose weight. And then, yeah, and we kind of, I branched out into, I managed to get to, into objective productions who do a lot of comedy. They did um, stuff like the Peter Serafinovich show and stuff like that. So I was on stuff like that. And I finally scraped my way into movies. I got to work on like Harry Potter second unit. And, wow little known Kira Knightley films and it's like historical epics for some reason I, I would get work on um that was a really hard thing I was doing it? that because we were like we were we were we were desperately keen to basically work on like you know the new Star Wars right or or, or something like this yeah uh and the reality of it is that you're I did I did several series of wife swap and you just like <laughs> this is so far away from what I wanted to be doing when I got into this industry, you know, I, it was quite soul destroying, uh, in a a lot of ways. We were like, you know, adjacent to the the dream job, but so far off it, you know, and and there was, and you think like, well, there's got to be a path from working in reality TV to cinema somehow, but it just, never really uh yeah I, I i i almost got there but you know like there there were so many i burned out because there were so many people in that industry especially on production side who um who think that they're in the army and they think that like it's really worth shouting at people uh. and you know like making people work till uh you know making people go like people who are setting off from their house at five in the morning um to get them and turn all the walkie-talkies on or whatever they should probably it's probably also fine to have them driving around supermarkets at nine o'clock at night to buy wow. bottles of water yeah, to save yeah. the save the production you know 10 quid or whatever and all this kind of stuff and that plus the fact that when i got to the feature films you'd see like second uh, unit first ad who's been doing that job for 30 years and it's like that's not actually how people become directors like you know like oh you know there's yeah he's, he's worked his way up from runner second unit to runner first unit and he's been doing that for 10 years I'm like fucking hell screw this yeah. <laughs> so i just so i just just gave up and went and got uh, admin work instead um but yeah i think dan you lasted less time than me didn't you you were you were just doing reality tv show and then shows and then when privates happened you jumped ship yeah so i yeah when when privates happened uh i was working making videos for a website um called video jug and then and then privates came along and and i and i jumped ship and 
fortunately never had to get a proper job ever again. That was it. I was I was out. Um, Did you know? And you can see some video jog um, films that that uh, like comedy instructional films that Dan did starring a me oh, wow. being an actor. How to Survive a Zombie Apocalypse yeah. is genuinely very good. I would I would love to, and see I'm these genuinely things. pretty good in it. I think you can still find them on YouTube. Yeah, you, you can, yeah. You look up How to Survive a Zombie Apocalypse and How to Survive an Alien Invasion. Those are my two my two starring wow. roles. Wow, I will look for these. Um, so <laughs> I read uh, in an interview, uh, Dan, uh, that you did... You've that... actually been... You've actually really done your... Well, your laid your groundwork for this, haven't you? We just, we just rolled up half drunk. Uh, but you're allowed to do the that. Best, you're the... You've really put effort in. I'm genuinely <laughs> terrified. <laughs> um wait a minute dan are you only half drunk oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought i i thought i'd rock up professional <laughs> on the one uh, hand water I'm, on the other hand i'm on my third pint of vodka so. <laughs> sorry uh, but i read that you said that uh you'd been thinking about making lair of the clockwork god for 10 years or something yeah. Yeah. so like roughly around the time that um you were making Time, gentlemen, please. Maybe as soon as Time, gentlemen, please was done, we were talking about a third one, and okay. we've been talking about it every time we met in those uh, in those ten years. We would wind up in a pub, uh, throwing ideas around and and having silly conversations. And it, there were three different versions of the game, you know, in various uh, states. You know, um, that what you were know, some I, of the versions that that never made it? I put a play. I put playthrough on YouTube. If you want to go and find the first ah. one, played, of like a very early sort of prototype that had like gorgeous Michael Furman art, but none of it was none of it really sat together properly, and it was all a bit like um, half thought through. It was kind of half baked, but the concept you could tell that the concept worked, um, and you can see you know quite a lot of Clockwork God in it. But you know the ten years the 10 years that we spent sitting in pubs refined the hell out of that concept. You know, it was, it was uh, time well spent, I think, because like, we you know, we like, <laughs> we like sitting around talking shit and um, coming up with daft video game, game ideas and making each other laugh. So like, but it would have, they got to a point where it would have felt um, like a massive shame to have not made it. It would have felt like a, a big waste of time. If it had, if the, all that stuff had just been put in a box and forgotten about and and never saw the light of day, so I'm really glad that we actually struggled on and and uh, and made the thing. And I think it is, um, it's obviously, I think it's the best game we've ever made. Uh, certainly the best game I've ever made. And I think like quite a lot of that is because of the amount of time we spent um, in pubs. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at each other, laughing at each other and writing stuff down and um you know made jotting little notes down and 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 refining the whole refining the whole process so when when did you start working on it properly well it was it was sort of on and off because um after the swindle i did a version right so that was 2015 okay and then uh had a baby did you just... take a huh didn't you like you you were trying you had your first version of the swindle and then that just wasn't working and so, and that's when you moved on to the first version of Led no that was God. when we did gun monkeys first version of swindle uh, then gun monkeys then swindle and then first version it was called once more with feelings in those days it kept the it kept the comma bang um 
uh, format. format from the Ben there down that tangent, please. Uh, and that was the version with Michael Furman's art that didn't really hang together very well. And then I and then I gave up and did Kick Men. Is that right? I can't remember now. And then there was another. I oh, know you're you're actually right. The first Furman one was twenty like twenty thirteen and didn't work. And then there was twenty fifteen one where it was all laid out, wasn't it? It was all planned and um, oh. coming together quite nicely, and then dropped it because it was just getting too much. I had a baby and wasn't sleeping, and uh, you know it was quite overwhelming to take on something that was that big. So made Kick Men, and then and then back to it. Well, once like the dust has settled, we. I remember you and me were in my office and we, we fired up the, the old version of once more with feelings and, and were like, we, it's with that, with that little gap in between, there wasn't even very much gap. It was only like six months or like a year or so, but we could see immediately what wasn't working and what it needed in order to work well. And I was, cause it had, it like had physics and stuff like that. And I remember saying to you, if we do it, we do it a lot simpler than this. And, you know, mitigate a lot of the problems and just have like it's a stupid thing but like you push a you push a crate off a off a ledge and there's two types of games either the crate like falls really nicely and tumbles down and <laughs> can go anywhere and and is a fucking qa nightmare or you ha you push a crate off and it just defies gravity until it hits the end and then clunks straight down and it's like we're making that second game <laughs> because it'll uh it'll be a lot easier in the long run um to put it all together and it still wound up taking fucking forever but um but yeah it wasn't and that kind of that wound up being more appropriate for the times anyway didn't it because we would like the the um the scene was moving the indie platformer scene was moving away from uh labyrinth and toward uh, labyrinth uh limbo mm -hmm. and um more towards celeste and Owlboy and that kind of yeah. thing so it was a bit more timely as well yeah. who came up with the when or when did the devil's kiss idea come along so that was at one of our retreats no it wasn't that was in the pub i remember it was in the pub around the corner from here and because uh, <laughs> the original plan was because the the thing i wanted to do because we liked the idea of dicking around with things uh this is big spoilers for like Lo 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 god but i wanted to make it so that the password she has a bit in the game where you have to find a password and I wanted to make it so you had to quit out of the game and the password was going to be stored in a text file in with the game's files. And you boot that up and you'd have to look at it and then and then go back into the game. I liked the idea of having to come out of the game in order to find the solution to uh, the puzzle. I, that was that was the nugget of it. And I remember you and me and the Rose and Crown uh, talking the idea through and we came up with... Uh, I can't remember who it was, but we came up with the idea. Oh, we were talking about making, we were talking about making um, an emotion, a construct called love, which would have been a visual novel, like a cheap um, uh, visual novel parody. And then we, we just basically combined those two concepts uh, and made it so that like, you know, if we made a visual novel, we could, it could be a standalone thing. It could be a separate level. And then, the, and then that sort of clicked. So that now you have to come out of the game boot up a different game in order to find <laughs> the puzzle. And then that's one of those ideas that you just sort of, uh, you come up with a pub and you laugh and you laugh and you laugh because it's so stupid and wrong, <laughs> but funny and clever. And then, 
Monday morning, you have to sit down and think, okay, how actually is this going to work? Because um, there's a lot of practicalities involved with it. Uh, you know, least of all... The, the way I'd remembered it was that, because you know that that, that retweet, that, the treat that we went on, like we, we had kind of semi-regular design slash writing retreats where we'd book a cottage for a week and make sure it had a pool or a hot tub or whatever. Um, and the one, you know, the one where it had the pool, yeah, we yeah. had to like clear the insects out because we, we pretty much wrote the entirety of Devil's Kiss on that retreat. But I, I had it in my head that we also came up <laughs> with the idea of doing it on that retreat. No. We said, should we just write it now? And then, no, it was, uh, it was okay, long we, before we, we went in with that, that idea. The, um, okay. Yeah. Cause Tom had done all, done all the artwork for it before I got to the retreat, which is why we were like in the retreat going, shit, we've got all this school artwork and it how how are we going to make a video changing our minds I and mean, we can't change our minds because i've just spent all this money on all the artwork for it <laughs> completely the wrong uh, way around okay um hmm. yeah but that was what you know the least of all you know will steam let you do this mm. right there's concerns about about how you do it uh can i bundle this game to email Steam and say, could I theoretically bundle a game with this game when I launch it? Because you've got to make sure that the player has got it. You know, we had all these issues that, like, um, the one I remember always saying to Ben was that if, you know, say someone downloads Clockwork God onto a laptop and then gets on a plane and, like, mid-flight ah. gets to that bit, they're then stuck. You, you, you need the internet to get Devil's Kiss and blah, blah, blah. So we had to come up with all these workarounds that, Devil's Kiss is actually playable within Clockwork God. You don't have to quit out. You can just keep on badgering Dan until it boots up in-game and things like that. So, you know, funny, stupid, clever, look at us zany indie developers and our crazy ideas Saturday night in the pub, Monday morning, crying at a desk, worrying. <laughs> Do you have... an? We probably touched on this, but just in case uh, we haven't, do you have a comedy process? And one of the things which is uh, characteristic about the Ben and Dan games is how funny they are, um, relentlessly funny, which is a hard thing to do, right? It's quite hard to make people laugh, especially when they first start playing a game and maybe don't want to laugh. They're in that kind of, okay, make me laugh. Uh, kind yeah, yeah, of phase. Yeah. but it's the bouncing back between the two players and the ridiculous stuff that comes out of their mouths. Um, you know, I guess we talked about going to the pub and just making each other laugh. But is there a moment where you know things are funny, or is that just when you see no, the, each other? The laugh? game was. I worried. I worried in time, gentlemen, please, and and in this as well that like because we'd sit in the pub. The the we you know the puzzles are funny, and you know the story. The core storyline is funny, but we don't do. We didn't. We wrote the whole thing in a week. Wow. Um, in a in a log cabin in Derby. <laughs> uh with a hot tub right so the so the whole game was done and um the first retreat was when it was like placeholder art but you could play it from start to finish which is when we when we had like scrapped bits or added bits in and all that sort of stuff and then the second retreat all the art was done or the sweeping majority of the art was done it was playable from start to finish uh and me and ben just sat down with our laptops from like six o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night you know on and off drinking drinking heavily and eating steaks and um and all the rest of it but and sitting in the hot tub with a beer if we fancied a bit of a break 
but um, by and large, sitting there and typing out, and there's like forty. Is that right? It's like forty thousand lines of dialogue in the in the game. So there's a lot there. But like people think, even with time with Ben there done that and stuff, that me and Ben sit there and go like, right? If they use the spanner on the door, what should what's a clever thing to say here? And we <laughs> don't. We just we sit in isolation, and we type and we type and we type and we type and we type. And then I read Ben's stuff, Ben reads my stuff, and then Ben takes everything away and does like a crazy uh, polish and like fact check on it. Ben will, ben will make sure that there's not a line of dialogue at the start that 12 hours later contradicts something. Mm. That happens, like you know, he he's fastidious with making sure that it's all like that his, uh, time, the time traveling. It's his, it's his time travel, um, you know, mentality. It's it's more stuff like if Dan has written a joke about how Dan the character can't whistle, I'll note that down and make sure as I'm going through that um, that there's not a line later where I talk about how Dan won a whistle <laughs> in 1995 or whatever, you know, just yeah. that kind of stuff and. Also, consistency of um, uh, punctuation, like when when we use a uh, a hyphen and when we use a colon, and and how Magnum PI is capitalised and all this kind of stuff. Because so we, we, um, we that game was done, or we were basically done, and the dialogue was in the stuff. And I spent six months bug polishing it, like polishing it and fixing bugs and stuff like that. And um, at that time, there were like there were some quite bad bugs that. Um, were persistent and unpleasant and hard to fix. And Ben would be emailing me saying, oh, this character says, hmm, with two M's, and they should be a hmm, <laughs> just one M. So I'm like, fuck it's the other way round, Dan. It is the other way round. Whatever. Dan Ryan doesn't matter, Ben. With one M. It kills me. Do you have any. It does matter. Do you have any favourite? It's jokes? like people who write he he, H E H E as one word, and that is infuriating. It's it's H E E space H E E. Why do people spell it? <laughs> you can see why the, why the Back to the Future time uh, thing happened now, can't you? You can, see, <laughs> you can see how it happened. It's suddenly all clear. Do you have any favourite jokes from, from the games? Any particular? I can't remember a single thing that happens in that game anymore. I've... It's <laughs> out of my head and um, gone. Oh, uh, my, my favourite one was... Um, well, not my favourite. One of my favourites was is... Um, it's, in fact, I think it's when your it's the devil's kiss uh bit where um because of the meta nature of it character ben has realized that he needs to get some information from character dan which will help uh which will help you uh hack into the actual game whatever oh it's not devil's kiss it's a different thing where you have to hack the game itself or whatever it's it's a so it's, there's this meta thing and um he needs to get dan's password so that like dan's admin's password so um which will be the same as real life you know in the in the fiction of the thing it's the same as the real life dan marshall who coded layer the clockwork god so that you can hack into the game it's quite complicated but um <laughs> Uh, and Dan's, Dan says, oh, I can't remember my password anymore. And he's talking about how since he became a platformer, um, he had to get rid of all extraneous knowledge um, <laughs> so that he could like remember jump parabolas and stuff like that. And he said, you know, I've, um, I've reorganized my mind attic to like to keep the for perfect platforming. Um, 
I'm just like Sherlock Holmes. And Ben says, uh, you're barely Lestrade, mate. And I just, <laughs> I just really like how that joke flows and that it's got like, you know, there's like, the you kind of have to have, you have to have a certain amount of knowledge of Sherlock Holmes. I, um, I think probably actually people will know that stuff from the show now, but um, you know, like there's this, there's this whole thing in the books about how he's got a mind attic and Sherlock Holmes doesn't know that the earth rotates around the sun because he doesn't need that to solve mysteries like he'd, he'd rather fill his head with um you know uh, shoe sizes and um degradation rates and all that kind of thing um and also there's a character called lestrade in it so i just i really like the combination of um this just kind of like blase insult getting thrown out but it's also like quite a nice kind of um, clever you know kind of uh deep deep cuts sherlock holmes reference so well, i enjoyed that you i this is going to be a bad story unless you can remember it because i can't remember it now but um there was one <laughs> and we were sitting on the retreat and i'd written myself into a massive corner about a, about the about a joke about the wanking booth and i can't remember what it was but like and i and, yeah. I, and it was this great long list of dialogue and I, what did i say to you and i and you just went yeah, that's that's another one of my favourites, actually. Yeah, and I was going to say this because Dan was talking about how we write. We don't we don't both sit there smoking pipes and crafting each you know talk to door response. Uh, we write in isolation, but we write in isolation sitting next to each other whenever we can. So if one of us can't think of a joke, they can just throw it up in the air. And uh, basically, yeah, Dan uh, Ben um, has to give Dan a because through the game, Ben gives Dan power-ups to like make him he, he ben uses his adventuring skills to create new platforming abilities to give to dan so he'll make him a beanie hat so he can fly around or whatever um and in this one you have to um ben has to give dan a glove covered in semen so that he can wall grab and um and dan was trying to come up with a like a, a euphemistic way for ben to tell dan what it is without telling him what it is and because it's it had come from a because it's set in a level it's a level set in the future where they've got public wanking booths <laughs> and um dan was like so how do i how does ben how is ben going to refer to this and i think we said it's it's like a cruelty free organic um product from uh from a local pop-up or something like that yeah it was a local pop that's right local pop-up that's it and it was one of those yeah. things where i'd written all this stuff i'd written all the like cruelty for, I, i'd written all the stuff for it and yeah. and i was like what's that's a right. name for like a a shop that would sell things but is also sexy and you went pop-up yeah. <laughs> yeah. brilliant that's what he's there for. Yeah, those are those are my favourite jokes where I can see that like I can I can see the Dan bit and the Ben bit and they work really well together. I've said this before, but basically what happens but, um, is that any jokes that are about that are about wanking <laughs> and filth and the low and base stuff I've written, and if it's Sisyphus <laughs> or Shakespeare or Greek tragedies or Sher- deep cut Sherlock Holmes references you know, from the novels, Ben what, yeah. Ben's, <laughs> Ben's written it with his one, fucking one literature Dan... degree. Dan wrote a, a line with a Shakespeare reference in it. I was like, oh, Dan, look, you've done a Shakespeare reference. He's like, no, that's from Robocop. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how, that's where Dan gets his Shakespeare references from. Is it is is it if Clarence Boddicker quotes um, Hamlet, then Dan knows Hamlet. Is, um, um, go, but, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say about, because you were, you were asking about, like, how do we know things are funny and writing comedy and stuff? I think, honestly, a lot of it is practice. 
like you have to put a, you know the whole thing of like you have to do 10,000 hours or something before you're good at it I mean I can't claim that we've done that many hours of writing comedy but you know just but from writing the writing comic books together for our own um you know enjoyment and then kind of uh, writing scripts writing comedy scripts that we might get to make one day and then writing comedy games you know you you, you build up like a sense of whether a line flows or not and whether you've sold the punchline especially if you're passing it to the other guy and you think you've written this hilarious comic strip panel and they just don't get it <laughs> at all and you're like oh yeah because i didn't explain this thing and i've put the speech bubbles the wrong way around and I've, I've, yeah you see you you start to get like muscle memory for comedy structure and everything and again because we would watch stuff like Leon Herring or Red Dwarf or, or Faulty Towers or whatever, where it's just really tightly structured stuff. You like we kind of we grew up appreciating comedy, like the the scale of a of comedy writing. Um, I was just like one thing I was just thinking about the other day was um, uh, Dan bought me a comic book called uh, Chasing Dogma, which Kevin Smith wrote, and it links Chasing Amy and Dogma. It's ah. like a, here's what happened between those two movies thing. And in like issue like apparently, so apparently when he was writing it, Kevin Smith got really behind, and issue three was like delayed by six months. And the first line of dialogue that they have is like "We're back finally" or whatever, and it made sense in the story, but it was also a like a little nod. And that like I just at the time I think uh, you know I was I was twenty one or something. I was like that is bloody amazing. That's so clever, and that's just something that's stuck to me. So like whenever we're writing a game i always like to try and make the first line you know it's it's either like the elevator pitch for the game in the first line of dialogue or it's making a little reference to like time gentlemen please they show up outside the warehouse that they left at the end of the first game and they say something like well here we are again and so it's you know it's also like we're back in the second game kind of thing so you know i think i think we just absorb a lot of you know, we have a big appreciation for the craft of writing comedy. Mm. And, you know, so we've absorbed a lot of that stuff. I mean, that's basically, isn't it? We 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 aped Leon Herring and Rick Mayo, or I certainly did, <laughs> until I understood it enough to sort of do that sort of thing on my own. You sort of fake it till you make it. And, you know, we, we yeah. would basically, you know, we in our teens would just spout other people quote filthy rich and cat flap or bottom or something right and and we wouldn't necessarily do that anymore because we just come up with our own stuff but but until that pro that, that process has happened um we were you know we were we were standing on the on the shoulders of giants and 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 just basically copying other people it's uh yeah, stand, standing on shoulders of giants and looking down at their homework. <laughs> <laughs> Is Lair of the Clockwork God uh, your most successful game? Uh, critically, yeah. Critically or financially? Or... I critically, guess yes. Yeah. Mm. Financially, okay. I, I think the Swindle probably... I think the Swindle's probably bought in more. Okay. Um, this, the Clockwork God was a tough sell. I didn't realise this until after launch, but what I should have done, and I said this to Ben... Uh, because of the way the games industry is now and the indie market and steam and all this sort of stuff um if i had my time again i would have just changed it from a dan and ben game to two other completely new characters because i think there is ah. enough of a um we we were very clear that like oh you don't need to have played the first two it's a completely standalone game 
it falls on deaf ears. And if we'd have just made Ian and Bouncy Bill as two new characters and, you know, dressed one of them as Guybrush and one of them as like, um, you know, as a, a you know, as an indie platform character, I think it would have mm. done a lot better because I think it would have been like um, an easier sell. It's a, it's, it's a you know, um, it's a tough game to to push because it's because it's a third part in a it's not a third part but it's a follow-on from dan and ben and no matter how much we try to push the narrative that it, you don't it's a new thing it didn't really work so i wish i'd change that but because i think um i've said this before but it did critically very well you know it's got like 96 percent overwhelmingly positive on steam it's got an 84 or metacritic you know people love the game it didn't hit that like zeitgeist thing that i think it deserved certain people gave it a recommended instead of an essential <laughs> and then um, and then not only that but sort of did you send me a tweet saying i was i was that close to giving an essential i probably I did as well i probably did so sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's but like it, at the time that sort of thing you think like if he'd have just done an essential the money would have come rolling in and like now there's yeah. a bit of distance from it i know that that would have made absolutely no difference to like how it sold but like it's sold enough that i can afford to make another game and i'm still you know yeah i i spent all my money making it and i've got enough money to make more games so it's you know for any yardstick uh in 2022 for indie game development it's a colossal success because it's made enough money to not have to find a real job um but it has made me realize you know i think that's it's hard to say but i think that's like the end for me, certainly, of that um, size of game. It's complicated because it's called size five games, isn't it? But, like, um, <laughs> I think there are so many games that are basically like Clockwork God or there's, like, you know, you're, you work in the press, right? If someone sent you tomorrow an email saying, hello, I've made a pixel art 2D platform video game, Right. That is an incredibly tough email mm. to have to then take and write about no matter how good the game is. You know, we 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 couldn't get um, Eurogamer always have always been very supportive, which is why we're here. But like we were never you could never really get coverage on quite a lot of the other big sites because they just did not give a fuck because it's a because it's a 2D platformer. And if your game is already popular, they will cover it. But if it's not, they won't. So if you're if you're putting out gifs of explosions on Twitter, and every time you put a gif of your game on Twitter, it gets like a thousand retweets, the press, you know, will will gladly cover it, and rightly so, because it's they got to like a you know cover the games that people want to hear about. But like pushing games of that sort of size, I think is um, now so hard and i nearly you know i broke myself making clockwork god because i'm only i i know i've got ben and i've got tom and toby helping me out making stuff and lots of other people who have who contributed to the game but i did it i made the i did all the code and i did the the half the design and i did a load of the art and i put it all together i got the music off toby and the sound effects off toby and i put them in all in and i fixed all the bugs and i found like 90 percent of the bugs and you know all this sort of stuff and it is incredibly hard to be making a game that will sell on steam now on your own compared to like you know we bashed time gentlemen please out in nine months as a, like a bit of a shit and giggle and we we had a good we had good fun in the pub, didn't we? Ha ha ha. And it made, and it made a load of money. 
and in 2022 that market has shifted so much that i mm. just i just don't know how much um if someone came to me now and said hello i've got a hundred thousand pounds and i'm thinking about making a small 2d indie platform game hello I, i've got a hundred thousand pounds <laughs> i tell them not to bother because it's not it's not ever going to make that money back or it's you know, it's going to be very hard sell making making that money back um reliably if that makes sense you know, does like that mean guarantee it does that mean this is the end for, no. for ben and dan dan and ben God, no. no we'll do something we're the, i think like um for dan and ben games they'd have to shift probably yeah they'd have to shift genre again wouldn't they we, it'd have to be something yeah. to auto chess and and even then we'd we'd, we'd probably have to feel there'd probably have to be something else to it that we felt was you know a bit more of a uh like a steady kind of rock to lean on to to be confident that it was going to do anything if the next game sold so well that i retire i'd sit there making dan and ben adventure games <laughs> me and ben would me and ben would sit in the pub and we would just bash out daft little adventure games and no one plays them it doesn't fucking matter right um but I think if that happened, I would put like because I think we genuinely would get bored, even if you know if we were both billionaires and we didn't need to worry about money and we're just making it for the fun of it. I think we would still hit the same problems that we did when we were trying to come up with the Dan and Ben three, which is that like we would just feel like we'd done this already, and you know it's like no matter like yeah we come up with some good jokes and some good puzzles and everything, but it's like we've already made this game twice. You know there were like three or four. Dan and Ben threes that were more traditional adventures before we said like we've got to do something else let's put another genre in it um so I think genuinely if like if we both won the lottery tomorrow and that would be the odds um, of that you know, and we were like <laughs> <laughs> two million to one probably. um but um yeah I, I genuinely think we'd get bored if, of just writing another Dan and Ben yeah. adventure, I think we'd have to come up with like I would push if you know I'd say Dan, money's no limits. We can pay people to code this for us. Let's make a Dan and Ben VR game. That would wow. be the next. Do like a Justin so, Roiland, and, um... and then Dan would make that face, and it wouldn't happen. <laughs> so... I, I still never put a VR headset on. You know that? Wow. Never even. I'd like to try one day, but like um, you know when you go to like I shouldn't say EGX, but like you go to EGX <laughs> and like I never understood. Like, because um, I, have, I have good fun at EGS because I think I like playing the games and I like all that sort of stuff. But like people who are like, <laughs> I like playing the games. I like playing the games. But like, <laughs> I have fun. I go to the game show and play games. But you know, like um, people who like, let's say uh, Suicide Squad, right? And let's say there's a playable demo of Suicide Squad at EGX. The absolute last thing I would do is go and play a game I really want to play a, from a bit from the middle of that game mm. in a, in a loud room with a load of people and a sweaty controller that someone else has been touching. Cause I want to experience that properly on my thing. But anyway, um, this that's by the by, but like I have a hard enough time holding a controller that someone else has been holding at EGX, let alone putting it on my face. <laughs> right. So like I would, I, I, you know, so I've never, so I've never put one on. I've had them offered to me. And I've just like this sort of slimy monstrosity happened to me. Like, try this VR game and you go dripping. There's a pandemic on. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather not if it's all right with you. Yeah, it's um, a tricky. So I've tricky never tried one, but you know, maybe one day. So what I'm are sure, you I, I reckon it's one of those things where when I put it on, I'll just be like, 
I'm such a fucking idiot. We should have been making VR games five years it's ago. It's a really powerful experience when you put a, a VR headset on. Um, even though you imagine. think you know what it is, it's like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So what are you making? What are you doing now? In fact, I, I think I might know um, because I was reading... Um, in fact, that you started You've been doing more research. I, I have. Um, <laughs> you talked about going back to Swindle, uh, and that you would like to make something more Swindle. Uh, yeah, I you... started making more Swindle, and uh, quickly realised that I was making the exact same game again. Ah. There's one thing about my career that, like, from from a 2D sofa deathmatch game to a to some point and clicks to an online deathmatch game, to a burglary simulator, to a sort of point of... I don't, like, make the same thing twice, if that makes sense. You know, I sort of... But they there has been a certain sort of 2D platformer um, thread running through them, and I just sort of felt like I needed to make something. I was, it was, I could see it was going to have the same problems, and I was going to be facing the same bugs and doing the same things, and I just... My heart sank. I was really, you know... In the dying days of Clockwork God, I was you know, churning over in my head about a Swindle sequel, thinking this is going to be amazing. I'm really excited about making this. And then when I actually came to make it, I was sort of thinking, I, can't, I don't want to just spend the next three years of my life making the exact same thing again. So um, so I'm making something that is, uh, I haven't really talked about it yet, but, uh, but fuck it. Um, it's, the idea is it's like, it's broader in scope, but it's narrower practically. So the idea is you're on a spaceship uh, with lots of monitors around you. So it's 3D, first-person oh, okay. 3D game on a spaceship bridge with lots of, like, monitors around you and, um, and like, and maps and um, and things. And you can send... Um, you see, if you've got, like, squadrons of fighters in your in your um, dock, you can send them off to go and attack other spaces. And you can look up and see it all happening, but the sweeping majority of the game is basically flipping buttons and, and pressing things on monsters like quite um sort of claustrophobic um game about just pressing buttons and 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 watching pretty things happen in space um because it's it's manageable right it's got a there's a certain there's a certain element of it that's not uh, the good thing about a spaceship is it, it fucking flies in a straight goddamn line <laughs> <laughs> it stays this way and it gets there and it stops and it turns around and it flies back again and it doesn't have you know it has got physics but it doesn't have to and have gravity put it that way um and it doesn't have all these other, other all these other problems that sort of i associate with like collision detection and, and that sort of thing it's it's a it's an easier game to be making in a lot of ways it's, it's hard because it's new and it's different and it's ui which is um obviously quite a pain in the ass um but no it's a it's a very different sort of thing and um i'm enjoying making it it's a refreshing change so but again it sounds like a good match for VR. It does. It does. Like a good it does. Match for VR. Um, <laughs> if only someone would send me a fucking headset to try on in the comfort of my own house. I'm not. I don't really feel like I can spend that. I can't. You know, until I'm actually. What's the word? Invested in making it in VR. Once it's once it's got a, like a decent version up and running, I'm sure I'll, I'll consider it. But like until then, I'm not spending that sort of money on uh, on on toys like on like vr headsets so what's like, i still want to like if i had a vr headset i want to play half-life alex and nothing else i haven't seen anything else that's come out in vr that even remotely appeals so it's like it's a lot of money to lay down for for one game so what's the purpose in this um so you're in a spaceship and you're flying somewhere what because, because i read somewhere that you 
you were making uh, this might have been a red herring that you were making a game where you play a dinosaur in a steampunk game show yeah i was yeah for a while but again the same problems so that was i after the swindle 2 i decided i didn't want to make that i started making this game um where you uh play as a little as like an adorable little t-rex and i put some gifts up on twitter and i was like should i make this and it went like 600 retweets or something like that so like at that point i was like i should probably make this uh but again same same problem same thing it's the same game it wasn't like fun i i couldn't find the fun in it like i had this little test area set up and it was all like playing the um dinosaur was really tactile and nice and you could like grab humans and throw them at walls and stuff uh and it was you know it was nice but it was, i just couldn't see it turning into a i couldn't really see it turning into a game you know sometimes sometimes you make stuff like there's there's dozens of prototypes of things on my hard disk and it, you know it's it's hard to do but sometimes you just got to look at them and just go whatever this is it isn't it it's not it's not the thing um and there's there's also an element that you know i wanted to be making something that um the good thing about the spaceship game is it's it can be modular so i can make a game the idea is you you go and so it's post-apocalyptic so like everything else has been destroyed you know earth is gone everything's gone all the space stations are knackered and you're flying <laughs> around salvaging bits off other spaceships to put on your own and sending teams in and like watching watching nervously while they report back from what they found and whether or not they've encountered hostiles and aliens and weird goo and all that sort of stuff whatever <laughs> they might find on there and um so in of itself it's like okay this is the game that's cool and then because the problem i had with with clockwork god is i it, it hit this um there's a problem, right? Which is that you spend three years making something and then you, at the end of those three years, you go to the world and you go, I've made this, it's taken me three years, what do you think of it? And then people go, shit. Or, you know, people love it, but, but people say, oh no, it's not really for me or whatever. And it's heartbreaking. And I'll like, wait until it's on and sale. We did, yeah, I'll wait until it's on sale. But like, you know, I did, because um, we did the PC launch and then six months later we did the um, console launch. And waiting for the reviews to come in I, I made me feel physically sick. Like actually wow. the, the, um, the, cause you've put everything into this and, and, and it's, um, the, the toll it takes on you in, in this day and age is, uh, too hard. I think, you know, when you're, when you're doing stuff like we do, which is like, we're not a team of 30 people. It's not a small indie studio of, of 10 people. This is like two of us um and and it and it largely falls on me and and i felt you know for my own mental health i found it was like this cycle i've got of every two three years releasing another game has to end mm. and so the idea of the spaceship thing is it's a lot it has the potential to be a lot bigger so i can make it and in two years time i can release something that um is a very nice game about going around um salvaging spaceships and uncovering mysteries in the universe and and then that's it but if it works and people like it i can expand it out and i can uh, add other uh i can add other mysteries and other places i can make it so you can fly the fighter planes i can make you know i can add to it and keep on adding different like um aspects to it that it never needs to come out right it's more like no man's sky or project zomboid or something that that, that doesn't necessarily need to ever be finished because um and i and that way I can hide from the horror of launch day 
ever happening to me ever again because it's if it never comes out then i never have to worry about people saying it's bad you know it gets people on so we have you know we have like 570 reviews on steam and every single one of them me and ben go type into discord new positive new negative or whatever we haven't got very many negatives but like every single one of them stings like you wouldn't believe it's like it's it's um uh it's it's genuinely painful and i think like you know if you had a game that you released on early access or you knew kickstarter or whatever and it's immediately got like ten thousand reviews one negative review on or, or like if it was 90 percent, they, they're like water off a duck's back but at the sort of levels yeah. we're talking each and every single one of those reviews is uh is massively elating or or uh utterly heartbreaking um so it's about like keeping my own self like sane i guess and making something that um i can avoid that um uh that side of things and the marketing and all that sort of thing you know making it making a game and you know early accessing it or kickstarting it or finding a publisher and something like that appeals to me a lot more now than than the existing um thing where i'm basically got my head in a bucket uh because if someone says something mean about my game, I will die, <laughs> which, um, which I decided is not healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check me out. Doctor of medicine. <laughs> um, and, and will be, you be um, consulting Ben at any point in this? In yeah. This yeah. Game? Ben, yeah, he's not getting out of it that easy. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the, that's the hope is that I'll come on when it's time to start co-designing uh or co-writing i think because mm. i think dan's pretty much going to be doing the, the design of the mechanics and and all that kind of thing so i'll come on to uh help with story and just come up with a load of different missions and races and characters <laughs> and you know fill out the world kind of yeah. thing i'll be like the george rr R. martin that comes in to to help with law <laughs> at the start and then fucks off <laughs> yeah just as long as your name's on the yeah, yeah. On, on the top yeah um fantastic well that kind of brings us to the end but i've got um three important questions to ask you that i ask uh, everyone um and i don't maybe there'll be some arguments is one of them is your game currently available on limited run uh collector's edition available now immediately but only for the next 10 days to so get on it quick um it isn't but that is a good point um that of course um there is a limited run edition of lair of the cockwork god which is great and the whole wrong manual thing is is absolutely inspired uh, I, I laughed and i chuckled my socks off um, good reading it was, about that. yeah it was it was a funny time but we had nice we had a nice time making it it was just, you know it's really nice to have limited run just sort of mm. let us go wild with making silly stuff and um uh we had a, we had a, and again, not have to worry about coding, yeah. just come up with yeah. whatever we can think so, of. What, just write a document, just write a document. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did, did, did you say the 30th and all just close on the 30th, 30th, 30th of January 30th. 30th. Okay. Yeah. So, um, these three questions I've got to ask you. So, um, the first one of these is your first game. What was your first game that you played? Not that you made. I, I hate to say it, but I have I do remember a friend of the family having um, the old wooden box with Pong in it and uh, and going to their house and playing Pong on their television and thinking, 
thinking, wow. But like the first, like this is not even the, uh, we used to play BBC micro games. So it's probably, you know, Snapper Chucky or Chucky Egg, Egg or, or uh, one of those. But I, but I do, I do have this very strong memory of, of Pong. So I tell everyone it's Pong. Yeah, my earliest memory, unfortunately, I don't know what the game was, but I think we had a BBC Micro or the or the other one, was it? Amstrad was the other one, I can't remember. Um, we, we had one of those, and it had a text adventure game on it. And I was like, um, I, I you know, I must have been like eight or something, and I was like really excited by the idea of this. I was like, great, we've got a computer game in the in the home, and it's a text adventure. And I've seen those in movies, and they just you can do anything, and it just you know, it's like endlessly it it will predict your every response, and you know, and I got like two lines into it, and I couldn't figure out what the hell to do. So that's my that's my earliest memory, and then after that, I think it was just stuff like is probably. Uh, the next thing I remember is Amiga games and being blown away by like another world and stuff like that. Granny's uh, garden. Yeah. Granny's, Granny's garden my... is always up, up to a certain level for men of a certain age from Britain, isn't it? Cause like it was forced <laughs> on us at school. Yeah. I remember um... and that the other Sorry. one at school was the one where you're flying like a little triangle ship over patchwork. Um, oh, Zarch. Over patchwork landscape. Zarch, that was a lot later. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it? I was still really impressed by that. I was like, it's like, wow, 3D graphics. Is that David Braben? Might have been David Braben. I don't know. Zarch and Lando. So. Could be wrong. Anyway. Um, so, the second question is, what is the, is, what is your best game? What is the, is, it doesn't, you can take that, um, actually, before we go to best game, I spoiled it now. Let's go to last game. What was the last game you played? Um, I've started playing uh, well, I've um, oh, what's it called? Call of the Sea ah. and Alien Isolation, uh, two games that I picked up recently. I've kind of played a little bit. You weren't into Alien Isolation, were you? Um, I told you it was amazing. I had a great time with Alien Isolation. And Ben, from what I can tell, basically just walked around Sevastopol scoffing. <laughs> like, and I, I was like walking around Sevastopol going, ah, oh my God, every panel on this wall is amazing. And Ben was just sort of like, well i think for one thing i had it like i bounce off um uh immersive sim sim games quite a lot and i hadn't realized quite how immersive simmy it was going to be it's like it feels quite like an arcane game and i think dan said set it on easy so i'd done that but what i really should have done was set it on novice which is like even easier than easy and then you just you don't have to worry about the save stations you don't have to craft at all and i maybe should have done that and i might see if i, I replayed it. it i played it for the first time Put on like down, but... hard or whatever and then replayed it on just for the story because i wanted to i'd seen you know i think danny dyer daniel dyer had done like a doc on it or something <laughs> that i'd recently watched and i was like i really want to play alienization again so i just played it on very very novice baby mode and i was like this is so much better because the alien is still scary but you don't have to mess around crafting like looking through every drawer for a stick of glue to make things with which are like that whole that whole crafting thing sort of felt like kind of tacked on but you still yeah. you still get all the all the ace horror and environmental stuff but none of the um faffing around yeah i think for me i think it's just my own personal taste but like and and my own personal shortcomings as a player it was just like I, I found myself 
wandering around in circles getting lost more than I did finding myself getting scared by the atmosphere and stuff and just like getting irritated that oh no it's that door I've already come through that door yeah. like, you know, um, so I think I was expecting a bit more like I, I always I always end up doing stuff like that in like Deus Ex or whatever like just kind of getting hopelessly lost and getting frustrated that I'm not being the game isn't challenging me with the things that I feel that it should be challenging me with. Like I always get challenged because he said, like someone says, go to one, one, three, eight, uh, uh, let's be Avenue in the cyberpunk district. And I'm like, okay, if it were the real world, that would be really easy. But in this game, I'm like, I'm stumbling over so many things, trying to find where that district is and then trying to find where that, uh, Avenue is. And then like, you know, and it's, uh, I, I just, I always, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I hit those stumbling blocks instead of just, instead of being scared by aliens and uncovering conspiracies, I'm, you know, I'm just constantly wandering down the wrong street and going, what the, where are the, where are the door numbers? So. Um, so how about you, Dan? What was the last game you played? Uh, I started replaying Uncharted 4. Does replaying count? Yeah. Because yeah. I... Cause I nothing new seems to have come out that catches my eye. So I, I, I started replaying Uncharted 4, which is just majestical. I have this, I have a long-standing love for anything that's got gold and jungles. I, you know, ideally some Nazis, but like an old map that someone finds in a bazaar, I am immediately totally into. Uh, and Uncharted just hits all those, all those, all those notes for me. And like, so I, play, so I picked it up, start replaying it. Um, and it's just so packed with detail and joyful. Hap Again, I'm playing it through on ultra easy mode so that I don't have to die and keep on having to retry bits and stuff like that. And just having an utterly delightful time, just having this crazy experience, which, um, is so beautifully well put together and, um, tactile in its, in its crafting. It's. It's ace. And the the final question, which I've already spoiled, um, what is your... Is it best game? It is, is best it, game. It's best it game. It is best game. Yes, I knew it. I knew it was going to be best game. What, what is your best game? Dan, it's best game is the next question. Like our... Not that we've made, like just what's the best game we've ever yeah, made. Yeah, I guess so. And you you can interpret it how you like, but yeah, not, not one that you've made. Unless you want to say one you've made. I would say... Uh, mine would be Day of the Tentacle and Quake are my wow. two joint faves, just because they're so well constructed, so tight, and the game, you know, the the gameplay is just so like perfectly um, adjusted, and you know, and I love the atmosphere of them, the storytelling. Even though Quake basically has no storytelling, and the only reason it's like it is is because they abandoned a load of stuff and just mashed it all together and, and that but i just i love the fact that it's like medieval gothic plus cyberpunk plus you know uh, lovecraft plus whatever else and it's all just slammed <laughs> in there and um yeah and it's just like really like the the balancing on it is uh amazing like the weapons and enemy balance and character movement and everything it's just it's absolutely perfect and um same with day of the tentacle it's just it still looks gorgeous uh, the acting is sublime. The writing's perfect. You know, it's got so many clever puzzles in it. The narrative structure is brilliant. It's got perfect beginning, perfect ending. You know, it's it expands out and then collapses back in. It's just yeah, uh, perfect games. 
fantastic. The one, the one I still always go back to is is Half Life Two, which, hmm. like, I wonder if I played it again now whether I would still be so enamoured with it. But I remember at the time, like the the physics and the way it told its story and the characters and everything was just unlike anything else. And I so I still have like very very fond memories of Half Life Two. I think really like the answer my answer is now XCOM 2 which is a game that consumed me I remember sitting on a stage with Ollie Welsh Res <laughs> evangelizing XCOM 2 in a much more eloquent way than I'm going to manage now but uh I that game got its hooks into me in a way that I can't even explain I don't even I've never played turn-based games at all before XCOM and uh the, the XCOM remake even and um that game sunk, yeah, sunk its claws into me in a, in a really worrying way. You know, like you read stories about people who were who were playing too much World of Warcraft back in the day, and you'd go, "Well, just stop if it's a worry." You know, like, and then not realizing that, like, actually, this is because because XCOM is has got this amazing loop that is uh, that really sort of I find it very difficult to stop playing. Uh, so I so um, yeah, XCOM two is is there for me. Fantastic. What you can't see is just out of frame uh, next to the BAFTAs is like 10 massive two litre bottles of piss. <laughs> Dan's, Dan's nightly XCOM play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was one of those World of Warcraft players, so I know exactly what you mean. Um, I never, I've never even played it. I never even. Um, I never. Why didn't you just stop? <laughs> I did, <laughs> it's, I did sure. eventually. Uh, was it to play, play XCOM 2 instead? And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> out of the frying pan. <laughs> Um, <laughs> into the bottles <laughs> uh, Ben and Dan thank you so much uh, for, for talking to me uh, for so long uh, and being so entertaining I don't think I've laughed as much in a podcast and I was hoping that I'd laugh I was hoping that you'd be actually funny I know I like the fact you sent me an email saying Look, should we do a podcast you just have to be funny just be, <laughs> just be really funny and I'm like, so if you hadn't said that it would have been fine but we now come on going oh god we've got to say something funny but if you hadn't been funny I don't know what I'd have done I, I think I would have been a bit disappointed <laughs> well now you can be disappointed in us in a whole other way no not at all not at all um <laughs> thank you so much um again for um spending time with me um and yeah everyone else tune in in two weeks for a new podcast bye for now bye pleasure thanks bertie bye